0: Well, you know him as the dirtiest man on TV, a title that Mike Rowe earned on the iconic TV series, Dirty Jobs. Well, Mike's now a best-selling author and a host of the podcast, The Way I Heard It. He runs the Mike Rowe Works Foundation, and he's got a new show that's launching right here on TBN called The Story Behind the Story. Mike, it is uh, really an
1: honor and a privilege to meet you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Kirk. Anytime, man. I'm glad we could do it. I'm sorry I'm not there in person, but these are crazy times. They
0: they, they are crazy times, uh, uh, but and I think it's kind of crazy that we're meeting here on uh, the set of TBN. I think Matt Crouch has something about collecting mics. He has Governor Mike Huckabee on his show. He's got Mike Seaver uh, doing takeaways, and now Mike Rowe. I th- this is I don't know. I think the bucket list has been completed for
1: Matt. No one can really look into the mind of Matt Crouch and conclude anything definitively, but I've known the guy <laughs> for about four or five years. He uh, he came to me, he wanted, I was working on a show called Returning the Favor for Facebook, which was right up TBN's alley. But unfortunately, I didn't own that idea. Um, but I did have a show called Somebody's Gotta Do It, and he took it and started airing it every Saturday night there on TBN, and it worked out great. So now we've got this new project, and... You know, it lets Mike be Mike and Matt be Matt, and it's a kick. TBN being such
0: a faith-driven network, um, in the scriptures it talks a lot about uh, work and describes work as actually a blessing, as a gift, not a chore, it's a privilege to work. Um, And you're so connected with hard work and good work ethic with all the projects that you're doing. Why do you work so hard to inspire people to have a good work ethic?
1: Well, I'm not sure that I do. Um, I mean, I spend a lot of time and a lot of thought and a lot of effort. And I suppose if those things all add up to work, then, yeah, guilty as charged. But I've never really looked at my career as work. Dirty Jobs came to me late in life. It was 20 years ago, actually. I was 40. And that show snuck on the air. Nobody thought it would work. Nobody really wanted it to work, to be honest. It was just a... uh, very different kind of program. There was no writing. There was no casting. There was no pre-production. We never did a second take. But what we did was present a really honest look at a day in the life of a welder or a golf ball retrieval expert or a bridge builder, whatever it was. And the chord that was struck, Kirk, was was really interesting. It, It wasn't about, oh, this is a great show. The feedback was, wow, you got to meet my my uncle, my brother, my cousin, my sister, my mom, my dad. Wait till you see what they do. And so I kind of Forrest Gumped my way into a a different kind of show 20 years ago when I realized that the country just was starving to have a conversation about the the dignity of work, the definition of a good job, the willingness to get dirty and the success that often is hidden beyond a, a veneer of grime or slime or mud or something much worse.
0: Well, we, we love watching your shows and we love watching you get dirty. It seems today that young people have this different idea of what it means to go to a job. Um, like, like Almost like they're not there to work, um, they're there to have their needs taken care of by the employer. And, and, and you, you talk a lot about... Um, you demonstrate and you, you display good work ethics. What, can, you, can you help us understand what is a good work ethic? What does it look like?
1: The best thing that came out of Dirty Jobs back in 2008 was a foundation called Microworks. And I started it mostly as a PR campaign for a couple million good jobs that were out there that nobody seemed to want. Typically jobs that didn't require a four-year degree, but rather the mastery of a skill, hmm. training, right? And so, the more I began to talk about those opportunities, the more it became clear that what was really required was not certification. It was not a diploma. It was not a degree. It was not, you know, some sort of proof from the Ivy League. It was truly a willingness to show up early, stay late, and master a skill that was in demand. Your happiness, your job satisfaction, the fulfillment of your dream, all that stuff would come later. It was this idea of starting with the opportunity, figuring out how to get good at it, and then figuring out how to love it. And so it was with that reverse commute in mind that we expanded this uh, PR campaign for good jobs into a scholarship. So now we give away a million dollars a year in work ethic scholarships. And so that simply means we just look for kids who are willing to make a case for themselves. You know, you gotta jump through some hoops if you apply for one of our scholarships. I need references. I wanna see a video. I wanna see an essay. I want people to make a case for why we should pay for their training to become a welder or a steam fitter or a plumber or a pipe fitter. Anyway, to answer your question, it's very difficult to look into a person's soul and determine if they have an ethic for work. But I can tell you, If their attitude is decent, if they understand the basics of delayed gratification, and if they use words like personal responsibility and accountability, that separates them immediately from the masses. The wheat from the chaff, if you will. Those are the kind of people we're looking for.
0: We're familiar with the phrase, uh, work smarter, not harder. But (laughs) you say that that might be a dangerous way to live. Why?
1: Most good advice that turns into conventional wisdom eventually collapses under its own weight. And once upon a time, somebody said, yeah, you know what? It would be better to work smart instead of hard. They were basically making a case for efficiency and effectiveness, and I've got no problem with either of those things. But if you think about it in terms of the bromide that it's become, like if you Google work smart, not hard right now, you'll find hundreds of pages. You'll find that expression on all kinds of t-shirts and hats and companies have done whole conferences dedicated to smart work instead of hard work. That's the problem with so much of what happens in our society today. In my view, we wind up making a case for one thing at the expense of another thing. Hard work is never the enemy. Hard work is not a bad thing. If you can work in a way that's more efficient and more effective, that's a good thing, but not at the expense of working hard. And what we want today in our workforce and as our, for our neighbors are people who, who work smart and hard.
0: Maybe one of the reasons people are having a hard time getting motivated to go to work is because of this universal basic income idea. The idea that the government will take care of our needs with no strings attached. You don't have to show up from nine to five anywhere. Uh, Do you think that there's unintended consequences that can come from that?
1: I think that in a very general way, we go through many phases in our life, but the biggest line between who we are Is who we were as children and who we are as adults. And at some point, you simply can't be taken care of. I just don't believe part of being a grown up is looking for the government to become our parent. Our government has a lot of responsibilities. And part of those responsibilities is putting policies in place, in my view, that discourage poverty and encourage ambition. I don't know that simply paying people to do nothing is going to uh, accomplish either of those things. So look, Kirk, I, I, I like to stay in my lane as best I can. I'm not running for office and I'm certainly not a, an expert on the economy, but I do believe in my bones that shortcuts lead to long delays. And in the end, we all want to be contributing. We all want to move the needle. We all want to be seen as essential because we want to be essential, right? It, it's not just a question of this, this worker is essential and this one's not. That, that worries me to no end. I think everybody is essential to somebody, even if it's just to themselves, which is why all work matters and why all skill matters. And why the unintended consequences of taking money for nothing, you know, sooner or later, they're going to catch up to you.
0: Mike, you, you created something called the Sweat Pledge, which I absolutely love. I'm printing it off. I'm, I'm, I'm going give, to give copies to everybody that I know, especially my own children. Listen, if you're watching this and you have not checked out this Sweat Pledge, you're going to want this uh, for all of your kids. I mean, listen to it. I believe I've won the greatest lottery of all time. I'm alive. I'm walking the earth. I live in the United States. I believe there's no such thing as a bad job. Don't you want your kids to, uh, to believe that? How about this one? I don't follow my passion. I bring it with me wherever i go and i love this one i believe the most annoying sound in the world is whining and complaining drop the mic Uh, this is this is fantastic it just needs to be posted on all of our kids uh, bedroom doors so that they read it when they walk out uh, into the world every day when we come back i want to talk to you some more but i want to talk about your latest endeavor your new show uh, the story behind the story let's get into that right here on tbn please don't go away We're back with Mike Rowe, and we've been talking about the importance of work. And now we're going to talk about the story behind the story. That's the title of Mike's newest show that's airing
1: right here on TBN. Check this out. If you're just joining us, Matt made a metal sign. I thought that was going to be the name of the show. You made a sign. <laughs> what do you want to parade?
0: The sign is already
1: made. So why are we changing the title of the show after the sign was made? Well, the show is my podcast, which is called The Way I Heard It. A naked burglar stuck inside an air vent of the Denver bank he was attempting to rob on a warm summer evening way back in 1973. We're going to sit down and discuss the stories in my podcast in a new show called The Story Behind the Story. Could you
0: have Maybe talk to me about wanting to change the title of the show. You just get here and change
1: Stop it. Stop talking for a minute. So what you do is you listen to the story. So Francisco demanded a better snowflake. And thanks to Russell Sherman, he got one. And then you try and figure out who I'm talking about. And at the end, I tell and you go, oh, I can't believe it. Look- if that's not crystal clear, I don't know how else to drive it home. I w- I stopped listening there for a second. It's like a child, like an eight-year-old <laughs> child. Looking forward to it. I think it's going to be great. Tuesdays at 9? Uh, no. Saturdays at 4? No. Wednesdays at 6? No. Let me show you the sign out here, though. <laughs> that
0: looks great. So this is a new show that is really based on your wildly successful podcast. So what, 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 what made you want to get into podcasting and telling these truish
1: tales? I started writing these short mysteries in the style of Paul Harvey, who used to do yeah. a, a radio show called The Rest of the Story right? Yeah. And so I started writing these things and then I started reading them and then I started posting them and well, millions of people started downloading them. So now I'm stuck, right? I, I, I keep writing these stories week after week after week. And um, unbeknownst to me, Matt Crouch was one of the guys who was listening to them. And one night he called me at home and he said, Mike, you know what? I think I could take some of your stories. And at this point I was sitting on a stage in an empty theater, just reading them to the empty theater. Cause I just thought that was an interesting thing to do. Yeah. He said, I can take that video and I can bring the stories to life with full on Hollywood style cinematic recreations. I said, oh, that's a stupid idea, Matt. Honestly, you know, nobody's gonna watch that. And besides, if you do it, you're gonna wreck the surprise at the end. You'll, you'll mess up the Mr. X. And he said, oh, yeah, I may, you might be right. Well, you know, Matt, he goes away. For like three months and then he comes back and he shows me three segments which he had taken without my permission he just takes them hires dozens of actors and brings these stories to life exactly as he had imagined them and he showed it to me and i said you know what i got to admit they're pretty good and i said well you were telling me earlier that from a biblical perspective there's a lot of things in these stories that resonated with you. And I take the position that, look, I I didn't sit down and try to bring scripture to life, but I was writing morality plays. And I was trying to find things in these stories that would resonate both with my sweat pledge, my foundation. And as it turns out, a lot of those things are compatible with a lot of what the Bible has to say about things like hard work, delayed gratification, personal responsibility, and so forth. So suddenly we've got this weird mix, Kirk. I mean, we've, it's, a, it's part performance art, it's part cinema, and it's part talk show. It's the story behind the story.
0: So are there any particular episodes that are coming up that we should be on the lookout for? or Something you're, you're really excited for people to see without giving it away, without giving away the twist ending?
1: No, because it's impossible, Kirk. This is the heart. and we joke about this all the time. This is the only show I've ever worked on that is truly impossible to promote because you'll wreck it, right? I can tell you that every week you're going to meet mad scientists and inventors, you're going to meet world leaders, you're going to meet the greatest athletes who ever lived, and you're going to see moments in their life, typically from their, from their youth, that changed them, defined them, shaped them. Reshape them, right? And so every single one of these stories is an attempt to identify that moment in somebody's life. These are stories you didn't know about people you do. That's fundamentally what it is. The stories themselves are only seven or eight minutes long. Matt brings them to life in a way that makes them fly by. And then we sit down, like the curious gentlemen we are, and, um, and, and unpack them. And honestly, I had no idea if it was gonna be any good. And I don't think he did either, but we did 13 of them. And then we sat down and we honestly looked at them and we each were like, you know something? Neither one of us have ever seen anything like this on television before. Well,
0: we've got another little sneak peek of the story behind the story. Watch this.
1: Are you trying to pull the pendulum away from standing waist deep in poo. In my own metaphorical opinion, we are all waist deep in poo. (laughs) If you're streaming this episode or sharing this story from your mobile device, think fondly of the most beautiful woman in the world. And remember those assets that matter most.
0: I'm almost afraid to ask you, what assets are you talking about,
1: Mike? I prefer to let the listener <laughs> and the viewer decide for themselves. Woo! Once you pop, the fun, don't stop. The okay. more uh, church version of this would say, do this in remembrance of me. <laughs> Can yeah. you actually say, I did not say that. I did it. Yeah. I actually got <laughs> glistening buttocks. <laughs> on TBN. <laughs> All his concentration was focused on picking out the distant rhythms, banging through the ether. Da 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 da
0: di da, da da. I actually spelled my
1: name. Ba ba da 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 It'll irritate me if you don't sing a little bit of that. You got copyright covered on this thing? Sure. We'll I hear good. the train a coming, coming round the bend. Why is this fly gonna land on my face? <laughs> The fly's trying to tell me something. It was remembering your past episodes of Dirty Jobs. 30 minutes of disappointing television. Otherwise known as my career.
0: The problem, Mike, is that the emotional climax has already happened in this episode when you admitted that I was right and you were wrong.
1: I'm not done. (laughs) I'm done, though. Okay. All right. It's good to be the king. Good to have your own network. That's the way
0: he heard it. (laughs) <laughs> you guys look like you're having way too much fun together.
1: Kirk, <laughs> you know what? Like my granddad said, if you're not having fun, the joke's on you. And I, I mean, honestly, Matt, is a, he's a terrific interviewer. But mostly, he's a, he's a very creative guy. And it was really fun to watch him have so much fun with these stories. And then sitting down with him in Colorado and, and talking about them like this, it's um, Like I said, it is one of the strangest, oddest, but enjoyable interview formats I've ever seen. Well, I, I, and I love what you're doing here. So, so Mike, are you, you're actually
0: studying the lives of interesting people throughout history. I, is that right? Mm-hmm. You're not completely making up these stories. Uh, you're actually really digging into the lives of, of fascinating people, and then you, together with Matt, are bringing them to life.
1: Yes and no the the podcast is called The Way I Heard It. And for a brief period, based on that sign outside Matt's barn, the show was going to be called The Way I Heard It right. as well. Uh, my book is called The Way I Heard It. My life is based on this idea that I'm saying, look, I could be wrong. I probably am. But here's a story that I heard, and I want to share it with you. And so We live in this time of fake news. We live in a time where people are very, very skeptical, not just of journalists and politicians, but even our scientists. You know, there's people are so long on certainty and and short on actual facts that I didn't want to be another guy out there saying, hey, 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 listen to me. I've got the truth. Listen to me. Trust me. I don't I don't try and persuade that way. So I'm telling you a story the way I heard it. That doesn't mean I'm lying to you, but it does mean I'm filling in the blanks with what I imagine could have very likely happened based on what I know about the subject. And so it's a mix of truth. It's a mix of creative license. And when it comes together, both of those things really do give us a lot of permission to get the story behind the story.
0: So <clears throat> are, are there any particular life lessons that you've learned from studying these uh, these fascinating people and, and, and these truish tales throughout history?
1: I'm always interested in persistence because persistence is a quality that we almost always associate with work ethic, determination, stick-to-itiveness, all of that stuff I grew up hearing, this is a good thing. But of course, it's also equally true to say that it's staying the course only makes sense if you're going in the right direction. So when I find stories of people who stayed the course and prospered, well, that's less interesting than finding a story of somebody who quit because they realized they had gone down a wrong road and they wanted to make a change in their life. And they just decided for themselves there was time to change the road that they were on. It doesn't line up with the platitude or the bromide or the conventional wisdom that we grew up with, but it's, it's no less true, right? So their history is filled with all kinds of moments and idiosyncrasies and inconsistencies that sometimes make us uncomfortable. Lots of cognitive dissonance. Hitler loved dogs. And he liked to paint. Would you like to hear a story about an animal lover who liked to paint and then learn at the end that it's Adolf Hitler? Well, those kinds of stories become interesting because it lets me say things to Matt like, look, our villains are never completely villainous and our heroes all have feet of clay. And so these stories many times become reminders that, we shouldn't fall too deeply in love with whatever our image is of our own romantic versions of ourselves or our own uh, idea of what the, the ideal citizen is. We're all works in progress. We all have an opportunity to make our own choices. and We all have a chance to change the road we're on along the way. Who chooses what under what circumstances? That's the story. Behind the story,
0: Mike. These these are great stories, and you are an epic storyteller. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's uh, an honor to meet you for the very first time, right here. I hope I get to see you in person one day. The story behind the story will air Saturdays at 9 p.m. Eastern, beginning May 7th on TBN. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.